I'm Kamala Shrao. And I'm Miracle Jones. You just basically walked in the door, so it's good. How was is, how is your vacation to North Carolina? Uh, it was good, actually. I, um... Uh, I spent a lot of time with my family. I tend to have a large, uh, sort of extended family, and we had a wedding. Uh, there's a fair amount of drama, I think. Um, oh, shit. All right. But, wedding uh, drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but in general, it was good. How was yours? Uh, not bad. It just you're kind of down. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, just to remind everyone, uh, this is Rumor Requirements. That's oh, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it is our podcast in which we try to talk about a number of things, including self-care and the time of Trump. And resistance. Yes, and resistance as well. So Whatever that means. Yeah. Whether that's, like, organized. Uh, or just like internal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Until we're in the camps. Right, absolutely. Right. Until they march us off. Um, so, I guess uh, in general, how we're going to structure the podcast is we're going to first talk about self care. Yeah. Uh, and again, just because I think for a lot of people, uh, the election was a relatively traumatic event. And even though we're coming up to the inauguration, I think people are, in general, it's worth checking in just to see how we're taking care of ourselves and attempting to like cope and or thrive. Thrive, yeah, thrive. To make this the best president. <laughs> that you remember the Trump years fondly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Not great for the nation, but good for us. Good personally. for you personally. Good for me yeah. personally. Um, <coughs> so how you been, man? Uh, I've been okay. I got really sick. Mm. I think like the day after, you know, you came by to you came by to drop off the keys for so yeah. you could check your mail and. Um, yeah, I was just sick as hell. I had, yeah. like a, I had the flu for like a week and a half, all the way. Uh, so I'm feeling better. But the, the the good part about that was that that is the perfect time to quit smoking. <laughs> so so I, you have quit smoking. Yeah, successfully. I haven't had a cigarette since I said I wasn't. I mean, mainly thanks to God and like uh, you know illness. Yeah, sure, sure. No wonder he. His ways are mysterious. Yeah, but it worked. It totally worked. So I'm, I, I feel I'm, I feel pretty pretty much like I beat it. And yeah, that's that was cool. before, obviously. Yeah. But you know, last day, after after about a month, you 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 don't you still want cigarettes because cigarettes are awesome. <laughs> sure, I will want those forever. I'll take your but uh, you know, I, I, the the physical habit is gone. Yeah. It is it was obliterated in the fever and. Uh, Delirium. That's cool. So, yeah. have you been exercising? Yeah, I've been exercising. I mean, you know, in this room. I haven't sure. done any running yet. Right. I still need to get to the gym, but yeah. I was too sick to do that. Sure, sure. Uh, you have to join our local gym. It's I have to join a local gym. I will. I will do that by next next episode. Okay, that All was right. a promise. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I have done nothing but backslide. <laughs> uh, so, but you give yourself usually the holidays for that, right? I give my I do give myself the holidays. So uh, one, I um uh, as I mentioned in the last podcast, let's go to North Carolina, so we never eat super well. Uh, it's also a little harder for I and my wife to get into like an exercise routine because obviously we're going to the gym. Yeah, yeah. Um, we try to swim, but uh, so in the middle of all of this, um, what happened was I actually um. I, I burnt myself pretty badly, so I have a I have a third degree burn on my forearm. Oh shit! Yeah, so you can just see the bandage. Oh, he's unwrapping his. Yeah. his... yeah, so I'm bandaged now, but it looks oh. pretty gross underneath. But so I burnt how my... far does it go up? Uh, it's it's about this much. Just Jesus, Scanlon. Yeah, yeah. So like it's it was it's pretty bad. Um, so I burnt myself. It was cooking. Uh, I was trying to transport some pasta water. It was. Um, uh, incredible stupidity meeting a, a certain amount of luck because I didn't really hurt myself anymore or hurt any one of the like ten people in the kitchen at the time any at all. Um, but I um, 
So, luckily, my brother-in-law is also a doctor, so first aid was effective. Oh, yeah, that guy's great. I met that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he's good. And so, first aid, I had to go into urgent care a couple of times just to have everything checked out. But uh, that was the end of swimming. Uh, Right. So, so, uh, I would say in terms of health, I've taken a step backwards. Um, I also didn't end up signing up for Aikido because uh, I just didn't have time before. Yeah, nobody can grab your wrist right now. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So for the next month, I think it'll be a much more uh, it's much more of a convalescent process than yeah. any type of like huge health goal. So what's the what's the problem? I mean, so how long? No, uh, no, it's fine. It actually doesn't even hurt. Um, it, I mean, because the nerve ending is burned <laughs> off, um, but it doesn't uh, hurt. And it, I just have to keep it bandaged for a while, and uh, I will. Um, Does it change the bandages? Is, yeah, is twice really, a day. Is yeah. it really gross? And like, it's gross. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not. It's not great looking. Um, and, and it'll probably scarf, scarf for life. But uh, how, how big an area? Uh, it's like a. I, mean, I would say it's about two or three inches across my forearm. That's kind of awesome. That's yeah, like a, it's a scar. It's yeah, a scar. It's like a wristband yeah, scar. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, that, it's not that even. I, I couldn't burn myself that evenly or that consistently around the arm. So it's more like the patches. But it's yeah. patches. Well, yeah. you have to fill it in, you know. <laughs> exactly. After all, on it. Yeah. Uh, so that was my vacation slash... Uh, uh, yeah. So those, those are my... Um, uh, that's my health. Um, but do you uh, have like a? Do you have, did you have like a fever or anything or like? Any- no fever. Uh, nothing else. Uh, I mean, there was a slight infection a couple of days out, um, but um, uh, the details are probably disgusting. But uh, you know, I, it's arrived. I'm, I'm perfectly fine now. But I have to. I definitely put on weight. I've definitely like uh, slacked off on the running. I don't know about that. It seems like a man. Yeah. you don't seem like you put on weight. I, I put on. I put on a little bit of weight. So, um, uh, so self care. Fail. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. I mean, you know, injury. You can't. That's an act of. We've, we've both been <laughs> stricken down by forces larger than us. Sure, sure. All right. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I think that was it. Other than that, I had a really good vacation. So what was it? What was the? Was that the drama you're talking about? Oh no, we had a lot, we have so there was that drama. Uh, so we had a lot of uh, drama at home because it's a it's a large family and, and tight cl- uh, quarters, but also uh, there was a wedding going on so that tends to just be there's a lot to do it's a small Indian wedding which meant it was only like 200 people um, but there are like a lot there's a lot to balance there um, and uh, my aunt was sort of running around this is the mother of the bride yeah the mother of the bride was uh, and so she um, yeah there's just a lot going on but I, in the end it ended up really great because the the reception was held on New Year's Eve and so you had a dance party that starts around 930 and last till New Year. It's like the New Year. And yeah. that's kind of a great way to uh, rock in the New Year. I was with my wife, who I am quite fond of, as well as our, my family um, and um, some friends. So, like, it was a really good way to, to have it spend the New Year. So, what about you, man? How was you, uh, did you just do anything for Christmas at all? Other than no, I went to the aquarium. I yeah. always go to the aquarium. That Coney Island is yeah. open 365 days a year. You mentioned that, yeah. yeah. How's the aquarium? It's good. The fish are, they haven't, you know, they're trying to. To renovate it, to, okay. you know, so it's been going for the past three or four years, and every year they try to collect a bunch of money, and then they show you what it could be. Because <laughs> it was wiped out in Hurricane right. Sandy, and all the fish returned to the sea. Uh, it's on the coast, you know. Right, so, right, right. Uh, but so they're rebuilding it. They're trying to put a big, you know, they have these great art and plans for it. So you go and you like fantasize about what you could be seeing <laughs> as you look at like two rooms full of fish. They have piranhas. That's always cool. I always I always forget that. And yeah. Then, it's like, oh, cool, Pranas. So I, I stared at Pranas for a while. There's like an otter show. Yeah. Did you go to the Applebee's across the street? I did go to the Applebee's across the street. But get this. Even better, they're building an IHOP. 
Oh wow! Yeah, right across the street. So next year, you know, Christmas twenty seventeen is gonna be Amazing. out of this world. Oh, yeah, it's gonna happen. That's it's probably be... my favorite restaurant. So it's gonna be a pancake Christmas. Yeah, pancake Christmas. Yeah, it's gonna be wonderful. So uh, that you know, it's about fu- it's about future Christmases. To sure, come. sure, sure. You can imagine that. As yeah, well. yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Definitely. The the infrastructure down at Coney Island is, is building <laughs> it's into recovering. Yeah, it's building into a real Christmas wonderland. Awesome for me personally. <laughs> you and about twelve other people. Yeah, twelve, twelve generous. <laughs> you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my Christmas. So awesome. it was it was very rewarding. Awesome. Uh, so I guess we're yeah we're not doing so well uh, health wise yeah 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 shit's bleak but you know it's also snowing it's it's January in New York no one's really doing that well yeah absolutely right this is just flu season so. yeah it's we're just gonna be sitting <laughs> right. depressed for the next four or five months <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah it's just we have to get through the season yeah we yeah. will we will get I have this sun lamp how's that treating you it's good I think. Okay. I think it's psychosomatic. Right. But it, whenever I get too terribly depressed, I turn it on and, like, do work. Okay. Do you have, do you have one? Or no, no, no. I try to get out. and At least I try to get out. Uh, spend at least some time in the sun. But, yeah, you're right. But if you can, if you feel the heat, it's the heat from it. And, it's uh, like, and you close your eyes and you have that, like, sense of, like, lying in a field with the sun on you. Okay. You can kind of, like, trick your mind into thinking that's true. Okay. I don't know. There's something to it. I, okay. You know, right. it's not that expensive. It's like sixty bucks or something. I, I got it as a wonderful present. Yeah, I just think as you're gonna tell, that's my okay. That's really skeptical. <laughs> that's a sound that's kind of well. Here's okay. the, here's the other thing. It functions as a regular lamp. <laughs> okay. As well. All right. All right. Just press the button and it becomes a sunlamp. Okay, all right. You've hit, you've hooked me on the practicality of actually having a lamp. Yeah, a lamp. I can see. I can see. I can see how lamp is useful. Yeah, no. I mean, you feel free to shake hands with it anytime. Sure, okay, Just try right, it out okay. if you want to come over and yeah, sit in the sunlight. Yeah. Uh, right, well, let's let's move on, I guess. To, yeah. Uh, to all right. Greater yeah. World. Again, here we're going to have like five sections. So our next section is uh, let's talk about politics and Trump. It's amazing because, you know, we recorded our first episode a couple of weeks back and I was like, oh, okay, well, the one thing I want to talk about is Russia. It's amazing. I, the first thing I want to talk about it still is Russia. Yeah. Um, it's a topic that seemed to die out a little bit over Christmas and now has uh, reasserted itself. Well, the CIA is about to release their uh, uh, package yeah, to America. Yeah, their, their, their proof or whatever. So. Yeah, so I guess they're fi- a summary of their findings for yeah. public consumption. And I guess... Today, uh, Trump is supposed to receive some sort of briefing about Russia. Yeah, Obama got it yesterday. Trump's yeah. going to get it today. Now, there's some minor... I, I don't know how big it is, but there's some kerfuffle because uh, uh, the Washington Post leaked a version of it online, and now Trump is really upset, and he wants to hunt down the leakers. Or um, And I say good luck to him, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I guess... Uh, I guess our our real question is okay. So I, we, we we're asking ourselves once again, why is Trump sort of the lone voice of, hey, this is nothing. Uh, let's let's ignore this whole Russia thing. Like I and I, and why is he taking on senior leadership of his own party as well as what seems to be a relatively unified Democratic front? I don't. Uh, is this bad politics? Is this just a guy who's shooting from the hip, or is there something deeper here that we're missing? I, you know, I've been thinking about it since we had this last conversation yeah. with the same issue, and I just think it's like he has such contempt for, and maybe he's right to have this contempt 
for the way in which people form opinions, he just assumes that whatever he says, people are just going to agree with. You know, uh, he just sets... It's, he incepts people, you know? Oh, uh, you think it's just that he... Now that he's staked out a position, he can't in any way show any kind of second thoughts or, or de- self-doubt. Yeah, and, he and just, that's, know, yeah, yeah, that's he just knows his followers are just going to take his position. Right. And, you know, there's not a hell of a lot of his followers, but there's enough yeah. that it creates some kind of swarm mentality that now people have to reckon with this as a position that people have, even though it's just his position. Right, and uh, and that's dangerous, too, I think, to the country as a whole, right? But I I think in some ways, I mean, uh, it's maybe the idea that the way you win an argument is to Never, never bend, right? Like, yeah, just assert. And yeah, keep, keep asserting. Right, right. Yeah, you just bulldoze the enemy. But I think this is the difference, right? This is the difference between politics, where you have a lot of actors that are a lot of institutions um, that are empowered with different parts of, uh, of, of the machinery of government, um, and to take them all on is a lot. Um, but I, you know, I still want to kind of revisit. You know, he's just a thin-skinned guy who reacted in a certain way and doesn't want anyone to to second-guess the fact that he won this election hugely. It's so important to the Trump brand that whatever he did, he did it himself and against the odds. You know? Oh, all right, all right. And and coming back, you know, like though everybody doubted him, that's such a like that's on brand. So right. Right, I think I think that's got a any 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 hint that he was aided by an outside agency with more power, such as Russia or the FBI. Yeah, uh, damages that brand. You know, it it it, it, it makes it. You know, right. So that it was interesting too because I was, I was listening. I think maybe even on NPR today, but they had a security expert on, and the security expert was saying like the way that. Trump is acting in sort of his inner circle because I think Mike Pence is lined up behind him and I, I think there are there are not people within the Trump camp that have lined up against this kind of ludicrous position, right? Um, the, the, this is someone who's been captured, right? By Russian, by Russian, like they have blackmail. He's acting as if they already have something on him, right? Like, like whatever they have, they didn't release. And... And so they're just using this against him. So either there's a stick or a carrot. Like, either we'll release this to the public, or, hey, if you take our side or, you know, roll over on this, then we will, I don't know, open a huge Trump hotel. Um, Which I I thought was an interesting theory. I don't think I'd give it much credence, but I think it's a fun theory to play with. It doesn't necessarily have to be Trump. It could be somebody that Trump listens to, to the exclusion of all others. Like Michael Flynn or, or Bannon or, you know, somebody else. Or his son? Or his son. Yeah, yeah, son-in-law. Yeah. Or It's useless to speculate on because this happens on both sides. Like, right. Everybody's got shit. You have to figure out what balancing agent there is. And, you know, you know, the German intelligence service is just as good as the Russian intelligence service. <laughs> Where are they, you know? Right. Where- <laughs> and I guess before we leave the topic of Russia in general... I'm of the opinion that this is a terrible thing. Like, there's a very... I mean, there's a consensus forming. It seems like it's the right consensus. Um, And Trump is, again, acting on... You know, shooting from the hip, but in a very bad way. Like, I mean, this is... is You saw Woolsey quit... His, uh, his I I saw I, I just saw a headline, but yeah, go. Uh, who's Wolsey? Sorry, he was the CIA director, uh, and he served under Clinton, so it was Clinton's CIA yeah. uh, director. He was part of Trump's transition team. Okay, and he quit. He's recently quit because you know no, you know. Oh yeah, I saw that. I read yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
left. So, I mean, that's interesting. I, I guess if, as Trump goes to war against the intelligence agencies. Yeah, so, I mean, what's your take on... So, how much do you think... Do you actually think there's any connection between Russia and Trump whatsoever? Yes. What do you think that connection is? Because I think we talked about it, and we didn't get into it last podcast. But, I mean, to me, I don't think that there's a, there's a direct connection in the sense that they are doing each other favors. I yeah. think Russia spied and hacked and they may have uh, the question of whether or not they wanted Hillary to lose is all but is immaterial right that's a second order question like I mean I think there's a lot of splitting hairs on the right about okay well we all agree that Russia hacked the election but let's not go to the place where they wanted Hillary to win as if their intention in any way changes the facts on the ground I, I think the connection is this I think the connection is Russia and America are way more alike than America and Europe. And this is a natural thing that's happening, this alignment of goals and this alignment of uh, ideas as far as how power is used. And I think that the way we're seeing it play out is stupid, too dramatic, and crazy. It's also being led by two really reprehensible agents of both countries, Putin and Trump. But I think the alignment between America and Russia is natural, and I think it's been a long time coming. So can you explain that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think the reset that Obama tried to do... As did Bush. As did Bush. As does Trump. <laughs> was, as, as, as will Trump. <laughs> uh, was a good foreign policy goal, and I think that none of those people were... I guess, like, in the right place at the right time. Trump might be in the right place at the right time to legitimately get a Russian reset going. The question is, like, what does that look like since it's Putin that's going to be the one benefiting? What do you think is in... Uh, so, I, this is interesting, because what do you think is in American interest that also aligns with Russian interests? They're both big countries. They, sure. They're both very proud countries. Okay. There's never been a, a day when there's nationalism has not been in the ascendant in Russia or America in the past hundred years. You know, there are certain real goals. Like I think what comes out of it is sort of a kind of cynical way of looking at both international relationships as well as like internal politics. That I think this is why Trump says he admires Putin. I think that they are. Whether he, I don't know how deep his thinking is, but yeah. yeah, absolutely, he's taking pages from that playbook for sure. Um, I mean, as far as next steps in terms of world power, I, just, I I still fundamentally think that Russia is not going to recapture world leader status. I think it gets to be a spoiler in grand yeah. games. No, I mean it, it's. But, and I think back to my original point, I don't think that there was coordination between the Trump camp and the Russian. I think the way that the left is carefully divided by the revelations that came out in the uh, six months leading up to the election from okay. WikiLeaks and that was amazing I was like yeah I think there were I think there were fundamental forces beyond what Russia had to do I mean that that sort of sw it was a narrow election and I think it swung towards yeah, Trump I think there were a number of things you could you could blame a lot of things mainly also the Democratic Party that's true yeah. <laughs> so, I don't want to take that away but I mean Russia Russia was a uh, was a player um, I think what is what is really interesting right now is that for some reason uh, people are drawing this line between, or it's really important to distinguish whether or not Russia wanted Hillary to lose or not. Like, as a, uh, and it's okay, like whether they intervene to help Hillary lose. Yeah. It's all sort of this big, huge thing. Like, and to me, that's trivial. Like, whether they just intervened. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, no, sure. Small print yeah, yeah, to yeah, help yeah. Hillary lose or not, I don't care about. But for some reason, it's really important for for both the Trump camp and I think the right in general to be like, okay, no, they were just intervening. Uh, That's what we need to condemn. Yeah. And yeah, no, absolutely agree. I think it's a win for both part, both sides to condemn that. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah, whether or not they want it, as if as if admitting that, and in all likelihood, Russia wanted Hillary to lose. Um, whether or not that was the intent of what was going on. It's so irrelevant, but it's it's for some reason it's a really important sticking point when people are talking about it, and I, and I haven't really figured that out yet. Also, the the thing that I find so silly is the need for proof, some sort of like smoking gun yeah. how it happened. There was a coordinated effort to dis- you know leak information about one party. You know? Yeah, one party was attacked. Uh, its internal mechanisms were overturned for us all to look at, and yeah. there was a. You know, effort on behalf of many different actors that came sure. together to, to to fight this party in a way that was asymmetrical to the way the other party was being fought, and it, that to me it doesn't matter whether this was Russia or the yeah. people that were involved in that sort of political activity. I think they should be, you know, not trusted. You can't trust people that act so dishonorably. Right, well, I, I, I think in general, most people agree, or as far as I can tell, that this is if this is true, then it is a threat to the democracy. Yeah, and, definitely, and, and the machinery of democracy. Regardless, yeah, you of have to be really cynical to act that way politically. Yeah. you have to not believe in democracy on some right. level. And if you've used such dark methods to achieve your goals, like yeah, I do not believe that you are a good representative of the people. Right, absolutely. Yeah, all right. Um, so you want to talk a little bit, uh, change gears, and talk a little bit about trade policy? Yeah, yeah. I think in a lot of ways, what's what's happening, right, is that we're um, we're entering into an era where it's just assumed that we don't in any way try to sign uh, multilateral trade agreements anymore. That globalization is has screwed us, and that there is no one really championing. Like an idea of like, okay, well, how do we work with the rest of the world to boost mutual prosperity, right? Um, And that one of the key engines of that was trade, or at least it's worth debating. And I feel like that debate died. Like I don't, I that it was just decided somewhere in the Democratic primary that trade was bad, and 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 for some reason, and Trump was like, hey, trade is bad, and that was it. (coughs) There's no debate in the primaries, like. Yeah, tra- we got screwed, and tr- and there is nothing. Um, the Trump administration, and granted, these are all kinds of weak and, and conflicting signals. There's nothing in the Trump administration that says that they're going to go back on that. I think they're going to they're going to have a very like America first um, trade agreement that really tries to like penalize any. Which to me is senseless because America is a pirate country. I mean, what, <laughs> I mean that far, but America first. Like, what is that? That means like. Trade motherfuckers. Like <laughs> yeah. that, that, I mean, <laughs> as if as if America first doesn't mean globalization. Yeah, right? yeah, right, yeah. Right. Right. So, I, and I, I think that so th- there have been a number of appointments, um, in particular, uh, either on the commerce side or a couple of other people who are. Um, uh, who I think there's a steel lawyer who's coming in. It seems like there's they've already put up this kind of very uh, nationalist wall around trade, and that's. That's, I think, I mean, this is just something that effectively has go, gone unmoored. Yeah. And that's something worth uh, at least talking about. Like, I mean, I, I just, and the more I think about it, the less we actually debated trade. Like, we did, there was, this election cycle, it was decided early on that trade is bad, and we've never really revisited it. And I think 
that this is going to come to bite us in the ass as as the way that we're going to judge the current presidency or the new presidency rather is whether or not that he can grow an economy in the current environment and i don't see how you can do that by throwing up barriers to trade or starting to really strong arm trade negotiations um especially given the world is in chaos like right everything was very stable yeah and the world was you know yeah you could eat at the margins if, yeah. yeah but if you're if something like the uk is, is really debating whether or not it wants to be part of the eu and then the eu itself is going through some sort of uh or if brazil doesn't even know if it has a government <laughs> if mexico is about to get a wall right yeah yeah there's, a, there's a lot of uncertainty and one of the things that tends to placate or establish certain common grounds is, is global trade, right? It's it's harder for countries to get in wars with each other. They have to at least think about the mechanisms of how their governments work together when they engage in we trade. Need, we need a different word other than trade. Yeah. Like, I think people have just, like, decided that trade is bad. Yeah. So they've just, like, they've gone... We just need to reinvent some way of talking, like money sex, or, I don't know, yeah, something yeah, right. travel. Right, exactly, <laughs> right, 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 economic travel. Economic travel. Right, right, like, right. I think this is one of the things about Trump that I've realized more and more, is that uh, Trump, again, I, I'm not convinced he's a Republican. I'm certain, I know he's not a conservative. Um, and uh, he's, he's barely a Republican. He's, he's kind of a Democrat. Um, but what he's done is he's, he's forged the policies of the worst of of both parties, right? Yeah. So like he's 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 decided that he wants to be like antagonistic, uh, kind of racist, kind of sexist, unapologetic, um, anti-immigrant, boom, Republican, anti-trade, boom, Democrat. Yeah. Like I mean, and it's and it's a weird combination that's for at least now is working for him. But I uh, I am sad that trade policy has just effectively been surrendered. So what? What do you think is going to happen? So I think there there is going to be certainly a lot of headline grabbing small things. So like again, we saw a little bit of like, and I guess trade policy is also uh, intertwined with sort of domestic investment policy, right? And so uh, like he's already interfered with or claimed to have scored some big deal with uh, uh, GM um, or. Uh, uh, or forced, you know, various car plants not to invest overseas, um, and I think I think all of that may go on. Like, and I think it's going to be a weird environment for business because effectively you have another person on your board, and it's Trump, and he's going to tweet every time you do something that he doesn't like. Big manufacturing companies that have a high, a big global name, uh, like a name that consumers recognize. Maybe it'll just be them that are in their sites. Like, if, so maybe not big financial companies, or maybe not tech. Um, or just like a lot. I mean, and let's face it, a lot of the country is, is services. And so, like, I, you know, I, I was watching this thing. I was watching a local news show uh, in North Carolina in, in Durham, and like, it was a Democrat and a Republican, and they were both talking about like Trump's latest thing where he interfered and tried and supposedly got uh, a factory to stay, not the carrier deal, but um, I think a lesser deal. And, um, and they were like, oh, okay. And the Republican was like, well, aren't you happy that we saved 4,000? Uh, American families' jobs, and uh, and the, the Democrat was just like, yes, of course, but let's talk about this. And it was a very weird thing to have the Democrat and the Republican effectively agree that it was just a good thing that Trump interfered uh, on the on behalf and tried to keep jobs here, as opposed to okay, well, why don't we let the companies? Like this was a decision that was made a long ago. You're effectively interfering because that's. 
that's how business works in a lot of ways. There is a lot of pressure to source outside of America. Like manufacturing has not collapsed, but has contracted for a lot of reasons in America, and you have to kind of address the real issues rather than okay, let me interfere with every little plant announcement coming out, and I, let me let me absolutely make sure that I don't I don't have people invest overseas. So, I mean, I want to talk about this with you for the next year. Like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me this. The idea of like what are the responsibilities of a government economically? Yeah, yeah. To anyone who uh, uh, globalization or any kind yeah. of business deal, right? I mean, you know, we talk about globalization now, but I mean, there were huge movements uh, in the middle of the last century between regions of the U.S. Right. So it's not so long ago that they were talking about losing. Uh, manufacturing in the Northeast, and yeah. it was coming to the South because it was cheaper, yeah. um, or that uh, you know furniture went from uh, I mean like woods in, like woods in North Carolina um, out to other parts of the country, and then maybe and then overseas. So a uh, trade moves uh, even within the country. So yeah. um, how you manage that is really important, and I think that story of the past 25 years is that countries that we effectively thought were down and out managed to harness trade policies to really deliver amazing kind of growth and prosperity to their countries, yeah. like China. Like China. Um, so whether or not you can do that in the U.S. by doing exactly what China did, uh, let's say, generously, is up for grabs. And here's something I think we both agree on. What's good for China isn't necessarily bad for America. <laughs> right. You know, like, it's not a game, it yeah. turns out. Like, they right. are human beings. Right, exactly. And, you know, they have goals and dreams, and they right. know, making a middle class that is prosperous in China is... It's not the worst thing in the world. It's great. For, it's wonderful. Right, and, exactly, and this goes back to my thing. Like, okay, so 4,000 American jobs, what you're effectively doing is... You've, you're just making invisible the idea that you know maybe four thousand Mexican jobs weren't created, right? Yeah. Like, and we just don't care about that. Yeah, we don't care. Um, but here, my inclination is not is that by artificially preserving these manufacturing sector jobs, yeah. we're preventing the unionization of service sector jobs. We're taking uh, we're, we're, it's it's a way to. Mythologize the manufacturing. Unions. Yeah, yeah, and right. to make it make these jobs seem, you know, way more important and useful. Right, and I think so. There are a couple of ways to think about it, right? Like to, keep, think, to keep to, 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 to keep people who have really important service sector jobs from realizing how important they are, and how if they were to act collectively, sure. They would so be yeah, able to, I, I'll disagree with you on this because I, okay. I don't love. I mean, I I, I think unions. Uh, in my world, have a role to play, but yeah. they're much more reduced than I don't. Uh, much more reduced than I think most people from the left think about it. And like, I mean, I think I think worker safety is an issue, absolutely. Um, but I think a lot of the other stuff, a lot of the um, uh, the more economic issues of the safety net should be passed through uh, a process of, of of political negotiation. So, like, whether we th think about retirement accounts or healthcare, that should be part of the political process. I don't love the idea of of, a, of an organized labor force. Um, especially, it works in, in municipal governments now, like allowing effectively having like okay, well we we uh, we have tied up or we have organized our labor force, so you get to meet our demands. Otherwise, we go on strike and we uh, things like uh, that. So I think there's there's a back and forth. So I'm much more skeptical about the unions as such, um, other than sort of a very kind of limited, basic kind of worker health kind of issues. Um, I, but I, I think in some ways, like I'm not. 
I'm not begrudging the fact that we're trying to keep American jobs or we're trying to grow the American economy. We should 100% do that. Whether or not it's the way to, to think about, okay, we kept these 4,000 American jobs. What we should be doing is thinking about how do we preserve jobs. That's 4,000. I mean, we created 150,000 last year. That's net uh, last month. Or And so you can't keep doing that. You, this, is, this is unsustainable and an interventionist trade policy. Um, it's just about the worst way to try to think about how to grow American jobs and, and deliver jobs that allow people to live prosperous lives. Um, and it should, and it could be that whatever it costs us to keep those four thousand jobs, not becoming in the U.S. and not becoming Mexican jobs, um, is actually, in the long run, much more costly for us as a society. Um, than just making sure that we had four thousand people on the payroll for a company. What would you What would you consider a, a, a really good level of unemployment in a in a country? So like, yeah, that's a great question, right? So, uh, and I don't know if there's an objective number. Yeah. Um, I think in the U.S., uh, w- uh, we're not super far from it. I yeah. think uh, it's really hard to think about an unemployment rate that's below four and a half percent to four percent, um, and. Uh, and, and, and there are all sorts of demographic changes, but yeah, I would say four and four and a half percent is is probably what you can shoot for with the best of options. That's like the target goal of every, every right. government should be striving. Right, and I think beyond that, I think there's there's something that um, says there's something uh, they call it structural unemployment, but effectively it's hard to push beyond that. Yeah, um, and so you can say that you can make uh, and, and, and to me. Uh, one of the biggest problems, and it's weird that we can we can talk about this for about a thousand years, but um, it really matters. It's not the overall national number that matters. What matters is the what's how individual regions or subregions of the country experience unemployment. So it's less important. Yeah. That, it's less important to look at a national number. It's almost meaningless to look at a national number. It's like looking at a housing number that's national. It doesn't mean anything. What matters is how local people experience that. And so you have to you have to have a dynamic enough. Um, barriers or, or cushions to be able to to balance out different regional um, uh, regional inequities, and that's that's what's that's hard because we can do really well in let's say we have a five percent unemployment rate, but if, if there's a community out there that's facing twenty five percent unemployment, that's a really hard community, right? I mean, you can't. I mean, there's something I always think about that my friend Janet said, which is that you know the goal of a, a country or a society should be to reach one hundred percent unemployment. To unemployment, so that no one works. Yeah, it's like no one t- considers themselves yeah. working. Right, and no one thinks about what they do as work. Right, you might be contributing to your country or society in an economic sense, but interesting. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a choice, and it's fulfilling. And right, it's optional. And I wonder. I mean, the safety net is there to make it so that if you decided to quit and sit at home for a year, you can do that. Right, and and, and I wonder a couple of things about that. Um, and I wonder, like, where we are in terms of our ability to provide for ourselves about a material, a material well-being, whether or not that's in any way in danger. So, is this trade policy problem that Trump is facing one of the things that's creating such a, a rocky unification process for the Republicans? I think trade policy isn't. I think for some reason the Republican Party that I knew of, I thought, is willing to roll over for the sake of power on trade policy, on good trade policy. Um, I wouldn't say that the Republicans always had good trade policy. I think they, I think what they wanted, or what they effectively enacted was, okay, well, we are free marketers, but effectively what that means is that we help our friends and business, right? 
And that's, Which is why people think of trade as corrupt now. Yeah, they, exactly. They gave it that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying I. I think neither party has great ideas about trade. <coughs> Republicans have a great have great talking points, um, but in reality, I don't think it's any better. But yeah, the Republicans have faced a really rocky start. I don't think the trade policy is uh, an issue that splits the party. It's not an internal wedge issue, um, and it, because I think the party just rolled over on it, and that's what I think is really weird about trade policy. But um, other than that, I mean, there was plenty of. Things this week to like, if not to like force the boat to shrink, at least give it a little. So there was some choppiness in the water in terms of the Republican launch to power, right? Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, it hasn't happened yet, you know. We're searching. Right, and, and that, yeah, that's kind of a problem, I think, yeah, too. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, they're having rough days, just yeah, means they're done. It makes us so no, happy. But, no, yeah. but it's, I think there's, it's, it's possible to read way too much into it, but yeah. um, beyond just the Russia issue, right? Like, I think, uh, um, there was the whole idea of like trying to uh, dismantle a subcommittee of ethics that was uh, not a subcommittee, but like a, a particular. Um, I guess was it an executive body? In yeah, I was I was amazed people got so incensed about this committee of Congress investigating itself. Right, the censures that happen at, that Congress gives itself for ethics violations don't really mean all that much. Right. I wonder, like, and we kind of talked a little bit about this last time, is that you have someone who's the head of the party who isn't a true believer of any particular part of the party. Like, he had to create his own own subsection within the party. What is his base of support other than his ability to be sort of a charismatic or anti-charismatic leader? Yeah, right? our, our hope is that the Hegel thing happens where since he's taken all the bad positions on himself. <laughs> he's he's become the antithesis of all good policies. Right, right, right. Then everybody else will come together right, right, right. who it, ordinarily wouldn't right, right, in order right, right, to create some new Yeah, there's a synthesis there's a there's a yeah. synthesis along the way. Um so I, I don't know if that's gonna happen, but I I, I wonder if this also just doesn't bring up the point where the Republican Party is, in a way, divided, whether or not that, whether or not power will sort of paper over any of the divisions is, remains to be seen. But uh, and there is a lot to be said for the 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 attractions of the purse string, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it will buy a lot of loyalty. No, what I'm thinking, it'll rent a lot of loyalty. I'm, what I'm thinking is there's a lot of Republicans out there right now who know Donald Trump personally, or have inter- interacted with him personally, who are starting early. That 2020 primary fight. Okay. I think I think he's gonna get primaried. Really yeah. interesting because they're they're predicting scandal. They're predicting impeachment. They're predicting boredom. Yeah. They're predicting he's gonna be 74. Yeah. Um, uh, that's fair. I mean, I think I think they're gonna have to think about a bench for sure. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think the party, once again, even though they have quite a lock on power, like it is, it's going to be hard to execute. I think. Yeah. In a way, and our least favorite Democrat, Schumer, has had a good week. Of course, Trump's been, you know, attacking Schumer directly. Sure. Head clown. Yeah, head clown. Head clown. That's fine. And that's, that, I mean, you got to take that as a badge of honor. And yeah. Then, and the Trumpocracy. You'd say you're you've been pro Schumer this week. <laughs> I'm not pro Schumer. <laughs> Ever, anyway, yeah. in any week whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would just say that he's he's had a pretty good week. He yeah. ends up looking good for a man who deserves to be slinking in the shadows. Uh, speaking of New York politicians, you oh, want to talk shit. a little bit about Andrew Cuomo, maybe? Yeah. So the the, the other thing that happened this week was Sanders and Cuomo. Uh, not free college. Yeah. Tuition free. free. Yeah. Because uh, you still have to pay room and board. Mm-hmm. But I think that's great. I'm totally for that. I love that policy. It's Hillary Clinton's policy, not Sanders' policy. But okay. Sure. 
she's not going to win you any right, yeah, 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 sitting next to you yeah. on stage to pass legislation. Right, right. The, the word Clinton is just me. Do you think he's going to make a, a bid to run in 2020? Do you think... Oh, uh, Cuomo? Andrew Cuomo, yeah. I mean, he could, for sure. I, I think there's every reason to believe he could. Yeah. Uh, I don't like Cuomo. I just... I, I, I tend not, I guess. Uh, in Cuomo in particular, I have a, 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 a very specific objection to him. But is, is it private? Is it personal? No, not in any way. Okay. I, so, uh, when he was a young man, yeah. uh, Andrew Cuomo was put in charge of HUD uh, in the Clinton administration. Oh, no shit. And around this time, he decided that it, despite having uh, no uh, experience as a banker nor a real estate developer, what he's going to try to do um, was open up uh, lending to the housing market and require uh, certain entities to lend to, uh, I think what they used to call them was subprime loans. Oh, no shit, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So he's the... He's, and, 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 and there was actually a really terrible New York Times article about this years ago, but um, and they, they sort of give a soft pedal about, okay, well, the market didn't blow up when, when he was... Uh, and uh, it took years for the market to blow up, and like there were a number of other things, and certainly uh, Wall Street... Um, it was a huge player in all of this, but yeah. at, the, at the corner of it, or I think it's sort of at the cornerstone, is actually government policy, where they really did try to reverse practices of, of red goal. The goal was to try to yeah, get absolutely right, right. I think it's a hard thing to do to, yeah. to have equitable housing in yeah, this country, yeah, yeah. Um, and the goal was uh, to uh, was right, but it was the worst policy. Anyone who could have just who would have just been like, okay, well, you can't require. Uh, government entities to take on whatever percentage it was at the time of subprime loans. This is that's not, this is not how a credit market works. Yeah, um, you're, so, you're gonna, it's going to be abused. Yeah, it's going to be abused. Yeah. Uh, well, it's going to be abused and it's going to blow up. Like yeah. credit, that's how credit works. Um, so, uh, uh, so I I don't like Andrew Cuomo uh, for for policy issues. Well, here's the question that sure. I think about all the time: Was anybody opposing it at the time? What was the? No, no. This was like a perfect. Yeah. This is the perfect storm of Republican and, and Democratic terrible ideas coming together because yeah. the Democratic ideals at the time were like, I'm going to use the market to help poor people, right. and the Republicans are like, uh, we're not in power, but okay, that seems like good because you said the word market, yeah. and so we got out of the way, and then all of a sudden, like, we're going to use, we're going to, we're going to offer cheap loans and all the, and like, it was a. Uh, and the Republicans were like, "Hey, we're all for home ownership. Home ownership makes people Republican." Right. And eight years later, you have the housing crisis, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's a really poorly thought out idea. Andrew Cuomo is at the head of it. I, I don't. I, I think he's. You'd say this is a sin of hubris, not corruption. You. Yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, stupidity. Stupidity. Yeah, I mean hubris, stupidity. Sure. Um, I, I think Cuomo has been an interesting governor in the sense that he hasn't fucked up too badly. Like I, and he does certain symbolic things like come down on, on the rights of uh, marriage equality that I think are are, are important <coughs> but also don't take a lot of heavy lifting in terms of getting things through the legislature so like um, I don't think he's been a great governor by any means but uh, I think we're talking about him as a political candidate which you think is more interesting right? Yeah I don't think he's got a chance in hell I mean he's a New Yorker nobody's gonna want that in four years after Trump I mean it doesn't matter on either side Yeah. his first lady or his girlfriend they're not married yeah. is one of my favorite people on planet Earth. Oh, really? Sandra Lee. Yeah, she, she makes terrible food. Yeah, it's <laughs> so much fun to watch. I would love to see her uh, going to war with Trump. <laughs> that is something. I don't. Oh. Cuomo's a, a dark lich with like a heart of coal. Yeah. But Sandra Lee, like, if if somehow we can get her involved in some kind of like a kerfuffle with Trump. Uh, I think that would be really <laughs> okay. powerful. I don't know how to make that happen, but yeah. I think 
I think pumping up the, the prospects of Cuomo in order to engineer <laughs> this. Uh, Clearly we see the Cuomo family from very different eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Cuomo, and I think his wife is like girlfriend. the anti- Oh, sorry, his, his girlfriend is the antichrist of cooking. I think she's got a soul of okay. pure light. And, uh, yeah. She's a, she's a delightful drunk. <laughs> okay. I, I, I think she's... Is that why she can't cook? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help. It's why she can't. It's why she doesn't care how it tastes. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to our next session. Uh, section. Um, oh, shit. Uh, doubling out down on defeat. How the Democrats or the left are screwing things up further. This is a very depressing thing to think about every week. By the way. I mean, but the Democrats have actually had. I mean, the Republicans have are the ones that haven't really screwed things up. So, like, yeah. the Democrats have had a middling week, which is kind of what you hope for. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you don't have to win. But I mean, it's just so it's so not failed spectacularly, right? Like, there's just I mean, but there's just no one to believe in right now. We're trying to find the golden light in Chuck Schumer. No, and, we're not. We're not. We're and Andrew Cuomo. I mean, who? That's fair. I mean, I think we can talk about. It's actually a good thing to talk about. Maybe and even next week is talking about the Democratic bench. Yeah. Um, but this is this isn't very different uh, from what I wanted to talk about since there was a, a pretty good article in the Atlantic, and I, I like the Atlantic. Reporting to some degree, I think it can it can get carried away. But um, they talk really a lot about the the ground game of the Democrats, and uh, one of the things that's been very clear is that the um, just in terms of winning local uh, politics, the Democrats have lost slowly, lost over many years. This is not this it didn't happen in two thousand sixteen, um, and so they've lost a number of governorships. Yeah, it was like twenty nine to seventeen. Now, yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah, so yeah. they lost a total more than ten governorships in that, um, and they certainly lost control of uh, several House legislature. Um, and so, why is that? And one of the more interesting things I think that came out of the article was the idea that <coughs> since the Democratic Party has been wed to this progressive ideology, it's very hard for them to think about how to build a party from the ground up, right? So there is a very... And I think we talked a little bit about this, but like if you come from a progressive or even left-leaning uh, way of thinking about the world, you're like, okay, well, I have a sense of moral certainty, and this is how I, uh, this is how I see the world. And so um, from there, I derive all my, my basic ideas, whereas I think in a lot of ways, the, the, given, uh, the give and take of local politics don't have anything to do with sort of a, a vision of what national yeah, it doesn't politics. matter. Political yeah. agnostic. Yeah. Parks yeah. and rec. No one, you know, you yeah, need absolutely. Ron Swanson, you need... You yeah, know, yeah, uh, Leslie, no. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it, this sort of, this this wedding, or this, this fondness of a progressive ideology above all other things has actually made them unable to field local candidates who start like, okay, what I need to do is think about what, is, what are the local politics, what really matters in terms of local politics. Politics, right, rather than trying to aim for a progressive, a national progressive agenda, right, and so and so the energy of the Democratic Party over the past uh, many years is actually just been focusing on Washington, and so um, I don't know. I think it's an interesting idea. I don't know what you think about it. My my inclination about after reading that article is just you know the Democrats have been in power for eight years, and it's not a natural fit when they're in power. It's hard to get grass a grassroots swell of people to oppose the leadership of the Republican Party, right? Because the, the you need that sense of doom that somebody like Trump or Bush yeah. brings, right? You need. I think that just I think it's just a cycle. To, extent, to the extent that though you have a really powerful leader, you're mm-hmm. going to lose local elections, no right. matter what, whether that's Reagan, yeah, or Obama, okay. Uh, 
and I, I just think that's cyclical. I think there's things the Democrats could have done better. I guess to me, like I, I found the argument that okay, maybe a progressive ideology doesn't allow you to like a an overarching or very strong. I think, I think a progressive ideology is challenging. It challenges power. Yeah. Uh, at least that's why you get into it in the first place. You, right. Then you slowly become like a, a horrible communo-fascist. Yeah. You know, running your local uh, vegan... Slip coat. Yeah, slip yeah, 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 yeah. With an iron fist. But if your leader's in charge, you, you just you feel you get lazy. and. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I'm just curious. And I, this is actually a debate for... Uh, for a long time. I mean, what exactly is the Democrats' ground game looking like? Um, what I always want out of this podcast is to be like, okay, well, I don't want the far left to capture the energy of the Democratic Party. I want us to come to the center. And that's that. that maybe that's why it sounds you know, like anytime you're talking about progressive ideology, I'm like, okay, I want us to be more centrist anyway. So maybe I was just reading something that I wanted to hear anyway. The country is, you know, divided into city versus land yeah and all the democrats are in the cities and they're hated by the land yeah they just have a hard time winning local elections you need more landy democrats i guess yeah you're right it could be just a cyclical thing like it's the political cycle right yeah yeah, yeah. um so the other thing that i thought was uh that this actually happened a couple weeks ago in milwaukee what happened was there was a charter school um and one of the teachers asked as a writing exercise to write in the voice of the lawyer. Um, for, it was uh, related to the book, the To Kill a Mockingbird, and I guess it was the opposition's lawyer, right? Like, so the who, whoever Atticus Finch was arguing against, you were supposed to write a, a letter in in his voice, not Atticus Finch, but the the guy who was, who was taking on in the courtroom, Atticus Inch, and that was the writing exercise. So it was it was both literature and also thinking about society. So it's, it uh, is a good lesson. Right, it's I a mean, good lesson. Yeah, it's a good lesson. It's exactly what you want out of like high school or, or grade school literature, right? Sure. Um, because you know the literature and the sense like yeah. Right, right. You should uh, you should embrace the villains, right, right, to, right. to like embody them in order to gain empathy, it's, right, right, or, or to understand like okay, what what were other sides to this story, yeah. right? Like this is not a bad idea. Yeah, I would have loved doing that as an evil teenager, right? Exactly. Yeah. But the teacher was reprimanded. The parents suspended, threw a fit. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parents threw a fit over this. They said, "How dare you? Uh, this is a person. Uh, this is defending someone who um, defending someone who created." Uh, who committed a, a horrible race crime, a hate crime? Yeah, defending the KKK, right? Effectively, yeah. um, how could you do that? I know, so, and 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 the teacher was actually suspended for giving out this assignment, and so the charter school stepped in and was like, "Okay, don't worry, you don't have to do that. Like, we're going to suspend the teacher." And I was, yeah. this was a really good writing exercise yeah. to me. This is. Uh, this this is what's frustrating about the left, and I or, well charter school though. Sure, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's... Uh, Milwaukee Charter School doesn't... Uh, you think it's a conservative that's saying, like, okay, how dare you uh, have us defend the... Con- There's no teacher's it? union defending her, you know? like. Oh, oh is it because she's suspended, because it's, it's a charter school? Yeah, yeah. The I think we're seeing more and more of that. Is like people like that. They like these you know, charter schools because they don't have that... The teacher union stepping in to say, like, okay, this was a good plan? Yeah, it was, a, or it was, you know, at least not a plan that goes against any sort of, like, curriculum that... Sure. Okay, I, okay, that's that's an argument. People like charter schools because they run themselves and they have curriculum that the parents and... Yeah. You, 
small community approve of. Yeah. In which case, you know, something like this, this, this kind of thing, I think is going to happen more and more. You know? That's fair. I, I, my side of that is that okay, this is an asinine protest on part of parents, right? Yeah, but like, they do that everywhere, like all the time. Like parents <laughs> are just idiots. Yeah. Right, right. But I, I think this is the, this is kind of the, oh, how dare you think about it? Uh, this is just a, a classic closing of the mind. I think it happens on the right all the time, but since we come from the left, I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm opposed to it, obviously. Like, I think it's a, a stupid thing to do. And I mean, it, but, it, you know, I, I just think there's no way of stopping parents from, from intervening needlessly and without stupidly. Sort of, yeah, without some sort of, like, sorry, this is a government job, and unless you want to, like, change policy, you know, there's no way to have the teacher suspended. Feel free to take your child out of public school. You know? Yeah. I, that's my favorite. I, I really, I mean, we can talk about this someday, but I'm a, that's my number one issue, I think, is public school. Like, I think it's like, I think it's so important and so... Well, yeah, I, I, 100%, I agree. I actually, and I'm, I'm happy to talk about a national curriculum. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, because I think it's something that is politically agnostic. Yeah. And it's like the one thing that makes us all come together. Yeah. In, without, you know... To the extent that we... That in the military draft. That in the military draft. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And they're both things that affect people that can't get out of it. (laughs) And there's elitists on both sides. And to me, they are in some ways the enemy. Like, you know, (laughs) people who are able to opt out of the government itself. Right. Where the rest of us are fucked and have to deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's just like a minor thing that is just like... I'm surprised it it didn't gather more steam, even on kind of the, the right wing... Uh, side of things because it was just asinine. Right? I think I think it didn't because it makes charter schools look bad. Now they have a cabinet position. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think I think that's it. Okay, I didn't I didn't necessarily need to dwell on that, but okay, but, you wanted to talk about something else. Yeah, it moves into the. I mean, it's a similar mm-hmm. uh, conversation. The, the Milo Yiannopoulos' book deal. Like, right. You got a book deal for two hundred. You know, fifty thousand. Yeah. yeah, 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 and every, with SNS, which is owned by CBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, I think, America's only publisher. Okay. Uh, all the rest are British, uh, f- German, German. There's no British publishers left either. All oh, right, right. Uh, Pearson got bought by uh, Bertelsmann. Yeah, yeah. Germans and, and there's a French one, uh, Lagardère. Okay. Uh, and then CBS is owns SNS, and then they are the American publisher. So they are, they have a you know a conservative imprint, mm-hmm. and so they've given. Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos a, a $250,000 book deal and I think this is terrible because they should have given him more <laughs> because that's how books work I, I think it's the left to fighting this particular fight yeah is ridiculous to me because so what is the left saying because I know Leslie Jones wrote about it well it? they're saying that he should not have a platform for hate speech yeah uh and should, I guess, be shunned in the public sphere. Yeah. Uh, which, fair, but are we, are we going to engage with ideas? Twitter, kicking them off Twitter, that makes total sense to me. That's a private company. Sure, I mean, I, I guess... If he's harassing people on Twitter and he's abusing their terms of service... Sure. Then, yeah, kick him off. No. If he has yet to violate this SNS contract, maybe he will, maybe he'll find a way, but... I, I think it's I think he's gonna sell a lot of books. Yeah. I think the problem here is that people on the left don't read more. <laughs> I think conservatives have a lot of power in the publishing industry because they fucking read books. They yeah, buy they buy the books, yeah. They buy books, they read the books. Maybe yeah. it's the only book they read all year. 
Do they all read his book? Right. They will all read his book. We don't. The people on the so left, left political writing doesn't sell in America. Doesn't sell in America. People don't care about it. They don't. They don't. You know who who's read Harry Reid's autobiography? You know that man is boring as shit. Are it's wonderful. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah, it's no. really good. It's really really good. Yeah, yeah. I kind of don't believe you on this. I, I, I swear to God. Is he a good writer? Because he's a terrible speaker. He's a. It's ghostwritten. I'm sure, but his life is fascinating. Sure, okay, his I'll opinions are really really okay, interesting yeah. and great. And you know. I think he really. He's, I think he's the most center left guy. I think he'd really enjoy it. Okay, find him fascinating. Yeah, uh, but I, I guess I just mean like why the the right has that cult of personality where they're gonna buy any memoir by yeah you know, anybody that strikes their fancy. Whereas we, nobody even bought you know read Hillary Clinton's book. Yeah, you know yeah. As she, when she was running for president. Right. Is your argument here like um, that the left doesn't read enough? Or, yeah. or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or how bad do you think Milo Yiannopoulos is? I mean, he's British. He's, I think he's also a gay Catholic, right? I mean, that makes total sense. So gay Catholic. Gay right? British Catholic. I want to read his book. Like, that. his mind is in, as a snake pit of contradictions <laughs> and problems. You know, like, there's, you know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fascinating. It like, sounds fascinating. Would, yeah, so either, I think you have two choices, right? Like, you can not care, right? Like, you yeah. just be like, oh, I just don't care about this. But if you're going to react, you have to kind of react in a very, like, pointed, vindictive way. Not yeah, like, yeah. whine about it. <laughs> Uh, I guess we're going on to our next section. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is our, our outside the bubble. So um, how what we're what we're reading from outside our bubble <laughs> in media that pains us. Media that pains us to some I, degree. We have different takes on this because yeah. I actually I actually read uh, more right wing stuff. I think what you mean is you try to find right wing stuff you agree with. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Whereas I like I gawk. Yeah. That's yeah, fair. Maybe I need to do more of that. Maybe but I, I can do the other side too. Yeah. Um, but so I think my recommendation this week is uh, Red State, yeah. and a um, Red State is, is a it's a conservative, uh, obviously uh, a right leaning blog. Um, and the person I like reading is uh, Susan Wright. Okay. Um, and so she's a, a contributor. Uh, she is um, uh, very uh, religious for sure. She's very conservative, um, and uh, you know anti-abortion. All of these things that I don't necessarily line up with, but. When she starts to talk about Donald Trump, she also has like a, a fair hand at being snarky. Yeah. In a way that, like, when she starts to. When you say religious, is she Catholic or.? Uh, I think she's Protestant. I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I mean, she considers herself Christian, and she certainly, like, I mean, unlike everyone else in the mainstream media, she will bring in verse, right? Like, she will yeah. quote verse and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Um, and so that's. that. that it's not where I come from, uh, but and I certainly disagree with with the things she says. She's not. Uh, she hates North Carolina's new governor, um, but but when she lays into Donald Trump, she hates Donald Trump, and it's yeah. fun to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, "This guy's not conservative from her point of view. Yeah. This guy is just like a joke and and offensive in a lot of ways." And I think as a woman, she also comes at it and she's like, "This guy's sexist and embarrassment." And she's kind of a fun read, especially when she gets into Donald Trump. So Susan Wright. Uh, from Red State, I, I like. All right, Susan, what, what article would you recommend? Um, so anything that has to do with Trump. So she writes frequently Just about Trump, Trump. Yeah, uh, in general. Her, her beat is is national, and so again, like she'll write about North Carolina. But you can just type in Susan Wright and 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 Red State, and then all her stuff comes in. And I would just focus in on the Trump stuff because she genuinely doesn't like him, and I think yeah. she genuinely doesn't like him 
about 70% for the reasons we don't like him, right? Well, I think yeah. I think people like him because he's unlikable and he's a form of revenge. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of people that right. like Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. I, I think if you're coming from the left, I think she's a hard read because she, again, anti-abortion. She also profoundly believes that uh, uh, Obama is a terrible president and, like, really corrupt yeah. and awful. Uh, I disagree with that, but at the same time, like, reading her on Trump is great. Yeah. 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 So that's it. Susan Wright from Red State. Uh, so we've got two things here. One, the first one is The Art of the Deal, Donald, okay. Donald right. Trump's. All right. uh, uh, the book that launched him to literary fame yeah, yeah, yeah. is ghostwritten memoir sure. of 70s and 80s deals, yeah. The Art of the Deal, which, which I've read yeah. uh, in its entirety. And how is it? It's interesting. Uh, it's Actually, the ghostwriter really did a good job of capturing... Uh, the way that Donald Trump would sound if you were an intelligent man. Yeah. Uh, which is fascinating because it captures some of the same rhythms yeah. and yet puts it into, you know, has like wisdom and yeah. like some insight and inner reflection and narrative coherence yeah. that he does not have as a person. Right, right, right. Uh, I feel that the book kind of set a path yeah. for... I feel this book is very powerful. I think yeah. it set a path for him. It might be the only book he's ever read, for instance. Sure. I think after reading it, I can't imagine somebody doing that yeah. for anybody. You yeah. know? Can you imagine that? Somebody writing a book that cleans up your own thoughts. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's the whole point of a ghostwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But somebody moving you up like three notches. <laughs> you know, wherever you stand on the verbal, you know, ladder of ability. Yeah. And then letting you read that back to yourself. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. I'm real smart. Yeah. And then seeing that, it's such a, it's such an amazing document for what he must have decided to then become. Right. Which is president. Right. And you know, and so he. Uh, there are actually a number of interviews with the ghostwriter, right? Yeah. So he's Schwartz, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's actually really interesting because he was campaigning hard against Trump. Yeah, for sure. But I think he, uh, Trump, recognized that what. That that Schwartz was cleaning up his act, like yeah. I think in some ways, like Trump, Trump is terrible in a lot of ways, but he, he can have an eye for talent. Yeah, so I recommend anybody pick it up and read it if you want to see how Trump thinks of himself. Right, right, uh, and what he considers his talents and strengths. The only person in New York with balls for. A New York real estate mogul, he's pretty middling. He's no Robert Durst. I'll tell you that right now. Well, I mean, he's no Robert Durst's wife. Who <laughs> actually, she re- I mean, she rebuilt Crown Heights. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's big. Yeah, she's really important. And that's and so like yeah, and 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 it, 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 what she got out of the deal of, of keeping quiet about Robert Durst is not clear, but uh, directly, but what she ended up being was a huge real estate mogul. In, no in shit. So if you live in Crown Heights, you're living in Had house that murders built. <laughs> well, <laughs> he didn't build it. He's crazy. But his He's smart, crazy. his but, smart wife was like, yeah. okay, yeah, she was with me that night. Or I, I forget what exactly she provides, but like yeah, she's yeah. like, she's kept her. Are they, still, are they still married? I don't know. I haven't kept up with it. Okay. Because I know, I know she was there to bail him out of jail and not testify against him. Yeah. And so I think he, uh, and part of that, she she gained a lot in terms of being able to control the real estate. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then you're moving to our, our homework. Yeah. And hear me out. Okay. <laughs> okay. We need to watch WrestleMania 32. 
Why 32? It's the latest one. That's okay. just it. Okay. But we need to... I mean, we can watch 33 when it comes out. Yeah. But we need, I think we have to watch WrestleMania. Okay, why? Everything the left is missing is in professional wrestling. Well, did you grow up watching professional wrestling? Yeah, a little bit. I liked it when I was a kid. Yeah, when I was a kid. It's changed, man. Like, it's changed? It's changed a lot. Like, okay. It has evolved. All right. It is a huge deal. Okay. And it is... Have you ever watched a WrestleMania? Uh, I watched WrestleMania when I was a kid, but yeah, not, yeah, yeah. not. I guess you know, Trump's been on WrestleMania. Yeah, sure. Know, he's he's around. It, it's it's his base, you know. Like, yeah, to some degree, under, right? Yeah, yeah. To understand, there's a lot of like joy and fun in the right we are missing because we do not understand the way that it intersects with pro wrestling uh, that's sports it. community. That's interesting. So, like, I... Oh, man. I, so, this is where... Like, how much of the bubble? Because I grew up watching wrestling, and yeah. I'm like, if you took me to a wrestling match, I'd be like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I could do it, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember, like, uh, my buddies... Yeah, they went to Greensboro. Like, I mean, they would. It was Greensboro Coliseum was like one of the big like WrestleMania events. So like, yeah, 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 they would actually get super drunk, uh, <laughs> wrestle out in the, in the backyard. <laughs> like, this is the twenties. This see, is last year. They, they, they this drunk, is the drama at the right, wedding. Right, exactly. And then drive drunkenly to Greensboro Coliseum. Um, I get it. I can do that. Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's go figure it out. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I get it. Like, you get it. Well, you have to watch it with me. All right, okay, we'll, we'll go yeah. figure it out. Okay. All right. I don't. I. I had to. I, yeah. I had to brush up on all like who's who's a wrestler now because I think Cena's gone. Yeah. yeah. I think. I think. I think it's not just like. I think there's like a. I think it's not just like a cultural thing. I think there's actual like influence going on. Oh, it's a soap opera. It's yeah, a soap it's opera. It's a well-oiled soap opera for sure. Yeah. 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 In like two ways. I mean that. Like I mean like lots of body oil and then like. <laughs> yeah. And then it just functions really well. All right. Well, then we're going to do that. It's okay. Point. Thirty-two. All right. That's 32. the latest one. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm sure we can steal it or. And sure, it's online or something. Sure. We'll right. pay. The, we'll pay. For, we'll pay for WrestleMania 32. Sure. sure. Uh, and then waste it, and we're gonna watch this thing and okay. talk about it. All right. Okay. Um, you actually played football. Right? I played football, and you didn't wrestle. I didn't. We, there wasn't. We didn't. We, I think we had a wrestling team eventually. Yeah. But there was no like yeah. junior high wrestling team. It never yeah. really existed. They just yeah. taught you how to break bones with pads on. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, well, I think my thing about in general in sports, and I get and not to be too much of the bubble, but. I like playing them. I yeah. don't like watching. I don't like watching. Yeah, it's the other thing. Yeah, I can't, I can't really get into it. Yeah. it just seems like such a waste of time. <laughs> um, I'm happy with sports remaining amateur. For anybody listening, let's let's, let's, do let's this. fucking get into professional yeah. wrestling. Right, right. We're not going to find religion. <laughs> There's no way we can like in- infiltrate the Protestant church. Right. We can become professional wrestling fans. Yeah, but we have to follow them into uh, angling as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, are you are you willing to watch fishing show? <laughs> I can't go. No, I can't. Uh, Although there's a show, Jim Jarmusch did a fishing show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I watched a couple of episodes of. How was it? It's great. Yeah. All right. Tom Waits is on an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we had that floating around for a while. Yeah. Okay. Alright. Alright. Uh, <laughs> so now our random shit. Random shit segment. And I think what we wanted to talk about was debate. Yeah, forensics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is actually your topic more than it is mine, because you made the mistaken assumption that I was actually to debate in high school. We're such good, in, you're so good at speaking. I thought you, you know, no, I, I, thought you I, I just found a way love to the sound make, of my get, own voice. get trophies out of it. No, I didn't. So I did a, a model UN. I was never super good at it, um, but I did model UN in high school. That counts um, as forensics, though. I mean... Uh, to some degree, it's a little bit more about 
It's more like government because you do you have to speak. You actually don't speak very much. Okay. You you have to like you have to like uh, not a committee and pass legislation. That's speaking. You're not talking. You're not public speaking, but it's still like speaking. It's yeah. Talking, it's trying and to and I was particularly bad at that too, right? Like I, I was the public part of that. No, no, no. Just trying to convince people oh, of okay. things. But I, I was I was I was creative in my legislation, but I think I was also uh, dogmatic. I see. So that's how I uh, I was I was and I also looked around. And I was like, this is a. This is training for future international lawyers, and I yeah. and I kind of hated it. Um, but I, I did it for a couple of years. I did it in high school and did it in college. But yeah, so you did it in college though. Once or twice, but yeah, once or twice that that counts. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, you're preparing, right? So that's like yeah, six yeah, months yeah. of preparing. Yeah, we didn't we didn't take it that seriously. You were really good at it, or you? Like, no, I was terrible at it. You're saying that, but I'm saying I'm I'm really honestly, you I'm, did I'm, model I'm, you in in college. I, I was bad at it. I was all right, bad all right. At it. Well, well, did you have a country that? So you know, so you get you're you're always assigned. Okay. Um, so I, I remember um, uh, at one point I was Canada, another point I was uh, a Congo. Uh, so uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah, 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 uh, uh, yeah Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, uh, and then another time I was Belgium. Um, so like you get you get tossed. Oh, I was Botswana one year. That was fun too. As a result of being the ersatz representative of these countries in, yeah. a, in a competitive setting. Yeah. Do you have now a fondness and understanding for these countries that you wouldn't ordinarily... Uh, and so this is actually... The thing I got out of Model UN was more of the research, and I guess this is more my inclination anyway. Yeah. So I got a couple of things out of it. One, I, I like learning about other countries, so like I had to force myself to learn about Botswana. Part of that was reading... Uh, Economist Intelligence Unit report. So that's how I fell in love with the Economist. So uh, <laughs> what, what is the Economist Intelligence? So they have a so, so the Economist Publishing Group, which is a British magazine that I love. It's weekly. Also has like uh, they do more in depth reports. And you do love it. I've checked your mail. You love. I love it. that magazine. I have like a little heart drawn on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to like Zoe, whatever her name is. Uh, but uh, the editor in chief. But uh, so they have a they have a sub they have another group that does like more in depth research and does country reports and things like that. And it's it's a sister publication, but it's called the E Economist Intelligence Unit. But that's a lot of what how you did like reading about countries. What I yeah. hated doing was reading about the UN like right. and I was like and you have to read a lot of the, the history and like the I, I was okay with a long like a history I, what, like what you would have to do is you would read what they had actually put out like the resolutions yeah. and you're like this says nothing this says nothing. This says nothing. And so, so last week when I said that I preferred the UN Declaration yeah, of Human Rights, you were like, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was what like, a f- "How full of shit can a person possibly be?" <laughs> so, so it gave me a sense of like, like, because uh, I think what I came into it with was like this really like hopeful, li- li- I guess like young leftist idealism yeah. of what the UN could be. Yeah, like yeah. we just sit and we work out our ideals, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like to see the grind of it, and you're like. This is fucking hard, and what you produce is absolutely terrible. And uh, it made me kind of—I wouldn't say I was anti-UN. Like I don't, dis- I, but if you tell me that UN is a corrupt, uh, uh, ineffectual organization, I'll be like, yeah, I get it. Like, I, I if wanna- you tell me that an organization isn't corrupt and ineffectual, yeah, I'll be like, who? Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So I—I I think that was it. Uh, I had a good friend in high school who was good at it. And I realized that when I, when I saw what he did and how he did it, I thought... And it, it wasn't like I was, like, resentful. I was like, oh, he's good at it. I'm bad at it. Um, and, yeah, that was that. What country was he? Uh, he did a couple of countries. Again, we got to recite him. He did a very good job of defending India. 
No shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an asshole. Alright, alright. But you have a lot more experience in forensics and, and debate, right? Uh, not debate. I, the only, I mean, uh, I did it. I went to tournaments, you know. Yeah. Starting in junior high all the way up through high school. Did you, do, you, you didn't do it in college? No, I didn't do any really extracurricular. I graduated in three years. I just skipped through college. No. I didn't, I, I was done with school by the time I got to college. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did, I did oratory. That was, that was, you know. What's oratory? So, there, there's, there's a division at speech tournaments, mm-hmm. uh, between, there's debate. Mm-hmm. And there's the interpretive events. Okay. Uh, and all the interpretive events are usually looked down upon as bullshit, kind of except for oratory. It's the one that debaters like mm-hmm. take seriously. Yeah. But it's you just deliver a speech of your own creation. Okay. It's got to be less than ten minutes. Okay. And then you're you're judged based upon how well you deliver it and how well written it is. And yeah, yeah, I I. Loved it because it was easy as hell. Yeah. Because you already written it. Yeah. You most debate tournaments everybody's sweating because it's all like extemporaneous speaking. What's the one where like effectively you sound like an auctioneer, like you're like a da 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 da. That's called spreading. Okay. Uh, and that's something that is done in uh, LD debate. Okay. Because LD debate is all about uh, trying to get in as many points as you can. Okay. And because then your opponent has to refute each one okay or they're carried through and then that's used against you if the judge is actually okay paying attention to that and not just thinking these fucking kids yeah god what, what am I doing <laughs> what am I doing yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's I think it's something it's, it, it's interesting LBJ somebody who I'm um, a huge fan of and you're also a Texan so also yeah. a Texan uh, he was a debate coach for a living he was yeah. a, he was our teacher president yeah all his staff were just as former debaters oh I did not know that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that he coached and yeah. just like broke their minds and just like they reformed them reformed as like, them as, yeah. as OBJ policy yeah. accolades uh, but I, I think it's something that's missing from not just politics but talking about politics yeah. is the rigor that you get out of speech and debate right I, so it's interesting that you bring up LBJ because um, so Soros is actually a big fan of debate. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so there was actually uh, an interesting um, um, article. And what happened was Soros decided that what he wanted to do was sponsor a lot of speech and debate in, like, non-traditional schools, so, like, black or uh, minority schools. So he did this for a while, and I'm not exactly sure what happened in the program, but what ended up happening was that people who came up through these schools started to change the style of the debate. They ended up using a lot more vernacular. They ended up uh, they ended up using a lot more like emotive kind of terms. So in, in, in some way, what you're missing or what you think debate is is actually maybe not even it no longer exists because I... But like the idea of like, okay, I'm going to sit down with this person and engage with them about an intellectual subject yeah. and have some arbiter. I think that's so important for people to, to try to do, to keep them taking things personally. Oh, 100%. I agree. I, and actually, I think this is this is true. And I, I'm a little older than you, but even when I got to college, I, I, I thought that, like, oh, wow, people don't know how to discuss an idea. And I went to a college where they thought that we should all sit around and talk about great works. But effectively, it all kind of de- degenerated into, like, these kind of hysterical, like, ad hominem attacks or, like, Reducio al whatever, out of Hitler. Like, everything is like, yeah, oh, you're yeah. just a Nazi. Yeah. Right, right. And, and it was interesting. The rigor of a debate of trying to understand people's ideas and trying to use them against them. 
yeah, it just didn't happen. And I think it's hugely different when you try to talk about it in terms of speech as opposed to writing about it, because there's no back and forth necessarily in a writing, or at least in, in terms of essay writing and things like that. Not not in the way that I'm thinking of the immediate back and forth. Um, but yeah, I 100 percent agree. I think it's 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 if not a lost art, it's a lost practice at least. Yeah. But you would not recommend Model UN. You think that should be guttered? Uh, I actually think that Model UN is kind of terrible. I. I I think model government or whatever student government was was fine. Like I, they had like a government. Yeah, yeah they had like a, a legislature, like a state legislature version of it. I think in North Carolina, uh, so that you could do that. You could do do a government that actually does something. Yeah. Great, but not not model UN. Model UN is like. <coughs> oh. I remember the counter, I guess, to the left because all the kids in speech and debate were pretty left wing at yeah. least in Houston. Yeah, uh, there were some exceptions. Uh, but the counter to this like leftist incursion, this Soros LBJ, yeah. like building the future leaders by you know uh, yeah. teaching speech and debate, was that in, in FFA uh, they all learned Robert's Rules of Order. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we had to learn that for sure. We had to learn Robert's Rules of Order, but yeah, in in Model UN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything it, the the rules of order were loosely based on Robert's Rules of Order. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And to me, I thought that was like so smart. And, oh, that, oh, that was learned a, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, procedural. Yeah, yeah. I would say the procedural like debate was uh, that that elements of its seating time and things like that. Yeah, that was actually an interesting part of. Of uh, of a UN debate, yeah, that was interesting for sure. I always thought that was just like that's it. This is the fight in America. <laughs> it's like the FFA kids are learning fucking Robert's Rules of Order. I think that plays out in our Senate. <laughs> but I think I think all of them are future are lawyers anyway. So they at least well maybe they don't know the rules FFA. of order. Yeah, yeah. I mean because you're teaching senators. Yeah, senators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean you know you get you get a taste for it. Like oh yeah. this is power. Like, right, 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 right. You have to see the floor. Yeah, you strategize. Right? Yeah. Speech and debate kids should have to learn uh, Robert's Rules of Order. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, I think that, that's it. I think that brings us to the conclusion of this second yeah. episode. Uh, Hopefully next week we'll have a guest. Uh, sure. It's still kind of holiday time, so we're... Right. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, and, and, you know, WrestleMania 32. Au revoir. Yeah, take it easy.